for the most part, the, the delegation had this reputation just basically like doing whatever the majority, whatever the majority wants. And that was the sense I've gotten from them in this whole speaker battle. Like, you know, now I don't know what's in their hearts. I don't know I, like why they're voting the way they're voting. But what I can see is wherever they think the majority is, that's where they're going. Welcome in, kiddos. It's another fantastic week of your favorite political podcast, Alabama Politics This Week, brought to you by Wind Creek Entertainment. I am Josh Moon, and that is... David Person. How are you, David? Well, it's a, it's a good day. The sun is shining, <laughs> the skies are blue, and I'm waiting to see what bad news you have for us. Whoa, bad news. <laughs> you know... You know, politics in Alabama always yeah. brings bad news. I hate to say it. It's a yeah. it's a grim job that we have, man. You know? Well, it, it can be. It can be. But listen, you know, we do it with a smile and you we know do. and with, with some uh, with some joy. We try yeah. to be upbeat as much as we can. Uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. And listen, I, I got I got good news before we start. You okay. know. Uh, the folks at Wind Creek Entertainment are still sponsoring this bad boy, uh, well, and so you know, news. yeah. That's see, so news, we actually. we've got we've got them on our side. You know, they're yeah. uh, one of the uh, the top employers in the state, uh, uh-huh. the the largest uh, employer with over twenty five hundred full time staff in Alabama, the largest employer in the hospitality industry. Uh, they've got uh, some really great establishments around. Uh, if you have not been to the the casinos in um, uh, Atmore, uh, Montgomery, and Wetumpka, you should give them a look. Uh, they are top of the line. They really are. I mean, I've I've been to all three, and uh, I've enjoyed myself at all three of them. Uh, I've enjoyed the food. I've enjoyed the games. I've enjoyed the, the atmosphere. It is. It's a. It's a well regulated. It's a well. Um, it's a just a, it's just a well done production is all I is the best mm-hmm. I can say about it. you know you go and it's just like a it's a it's a casino environment uh, that is an upscale casino environment like you would expect. So I have a couple of questions since I since I still haven't scheduled my trip there, but hopefully I'll get to one of them uh, before the year is out. So mm-hmm. my first question is, you know, I'm a I'm not a gambler, but I do like uh, I do like a little blackjack, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, something about blackjack that I just I like. So, uh, do they have um, do they have real blackjack tables with cards, or is it the electronic blackjack? Well, it would be electronic bingo at, oh, the, at bingo. their casinos. Yeah, it's electronic okay, this bingo. Is all, this is all yes. bingo. This is all a bingo facility. Okay. They are they they handle uh, you know it is all that's all, that's what's legal in the state of Alabama, and so that's okay, what they I can keep offer. Forgetting that, okay. yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah the the Alabama's gam- gambling laws are a little outdated, and in uh, uh, in as a matter of fact, you know we I wrote a story about uh, about that for today, um, and, and uh, today being Thursday uh, when we yeah. record the podcast and. Uh, and talked about the the troubles over in Greene County and in Jefferson County and some other places around where there's just it's kind of like the wild west of gaming uh, that's mm-hmm. that's taking place out there where the rules are different depending on which side of the street you're on for the most mm-hmm. part, um, and that's where that's where honestly the the Porch Creeks have done a, a pretty good job uh, right. here. At, not a pretty good job, a great job 
of, of establishing a regulated system that you can rely on. Uh, you know, the, gov- the federal government monitors what they do, so they've got to meet certain standards. And so, so that's, yeah, so it, it's, you're not going to get cheated, is what I'm saying. Okay. So yeah. it's electronic bingo. Yes, electronics. Okay. It's, it's kind of similar uh, to slot machines with a few differences, okay. uh, but it's it's similar to, to slot machines in the games that you'll play. Nah, I can try that. I, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw some bucks at that. We'll see what happens. The other thing that I'm curious mm-hmm. about is I know uh, there are casinos and other places that will have concerts and shows. Mm-hmm. Do they have concerts and shows at, at these? Casinos? They do. Yeah, they, they okay. often have a lot of uh, have a lot of uh, events going on. You know, and they've they've, they've branched out and they've got you know, as we know around in Huntsville, they you know they own a lot of things around in Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Porch Creeks do, and uh, and also they have a, a, a an amusement park down near the Gulf Coast, and uh, it's a it, they they do things. They do things the right way, and they, yes, they do have concerts. They do have uh, they have uh, comedians uh, come in from time to time. I want to say at the at the one in Wetumpka, not too terribly long ago, they had one of my favorites, Chris Tucker. Uh, oh, really? Through. Yeah, okay. and uh, and he was uh, he was pretty funny. I knew a lot of folks that went uh, went to well, went to see him. No, Chris Tucker, he's like uh, that's a list. He's an oh, A-list yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah he's. Uh, I mean, he's. Uh, you, did you did you watch the? Uh, uh, the the Nike uh, movie with um, I did. He was really yeah, great. Mike Damon. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, he, yeah, was, yeah, he was good. He was good. In it's that. called Air. It's Air, called Air. That's right. Air. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was good in that. Yeah, yeah. So yes, to answer your question, they have a lot of these things, okay. uh, and yeah. uh, and and some you know and some other events as well that that uh, that go on in those places. I know they also host a ton of charity events. Uh, I know that firsthand because my wife uh, held several of hers there for the American Cancer Society when she worked for them. Um, nice. And so it's uh, yeah, they, it's it, they, these are good facilities. They are top notch. I tell you how good they are. Uh, because I have that information in front of me, they are they operate the Wind Creek operates a dozen gaming enterprises in North America and the Caribbean with AAA four diamond rated hotels, spas, nightlife, and a wide variety of dining and entertainment. Okay, so, there you okay. go. So yeah. if I so I'm a newbie to this whole casino thing, as as has been obvious from my questions, mm-hmm. uh, don't have a lot of experience in that area. So what if do I go to a website or something? How would I find out like what's going on there? What, yeah. what may be the best times to visit? Yeah, just uh, just Google up Wind Creek Entertainment, and uh, you can find their their various locations all around, and uh, you would be able to find. I'm I'm sure on the website there's a uh, there's a calendar of events, and you should be able to find that. If not, just give them a call. Uh, and uh, it, it, they, I'm sure anybody that when you Google up Wind Creek Entertainment and find the phone number, anybody there is going to be able to answer whatever questions you have and uh, be able to guide you in the right direction. Uh, because they are, like I said, it's a it's a top notch organization that they're running over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm headed to the Wind Creek Montgomery website right now. Wow. Okay. So you look at that. Book, book your trip. Book your trip on down. You can stay. Uh, and uh, and and get you have yourself a nice time, get a nice meal, visit the spa. I'm telling you, man, it's uh, yeah, you, you can't beat it. You, you did say it. spa, right? Oh yeah, you I said, said spa. spa. I said spa. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for a good massage yeah. and a facial now. I understand it's a, it's a two robe situation you got going for yourself there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get into this. Um, All right. 
the into the into the body of the show itself. Uh, we will we should have uh, a little bit later uh, Brian Lyman of the Alabama Reflector on uh, to talk a little a little bit about his uh, his work recently and uh, and about the new uh, race for uh, the new House district that we have uh, or the new congressional district that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. But first, let's. Um, I guess we'll start with the most depressing news, and maybe work our way up from there. Uh, and that is uh, last night, which is Wednesday night. There was a shooting in Maine, another mm-hmm. mass shooting, in which uh, somebody, uh, a gentleman reportedly with mental health issues, uh, obtained, you know, assault weapons uh, that are typically used in war zones, uh, most often, and what they were designed for, uh, and. Um, I don't know how many rounds of ammunition he, he acquired as well and went on a shooting spree. Uh, the last I saw just before we started this was there was now eight, they said 18 were confirmed dead. I know that there was a report last night of 22, uh, but I believe mm. uh, the, the AP and others are now reporting that it is eight. There are 18 folks confirmed dead. There were up more than 60 injured. Um, and so I, I don't, you know, I don't know in what, various states those folks are in so um yeah but it was a bowling alley and a bar uh, that he shot up and um just a few days ago he or some time back he had made uh threats to shoot up uh uh, the National Guard's uh facility where he was uh, he was apparently a National Guardsman um hmm. and that uh he was also a a firearms instructor so he oh knew what he was God. doing. Yeah. And mm. yeah, man, it's uh, terrible. Uh, he also uh, expressed uh, s- severe mental health issues, including hearing voices. Um, mm. And still, nobody could uh, prevent him from owning firearms. Which makes absolutely no sense. I, I was looking at um, ESPN earlier this morning and I saw. Um, the Sacramento Kings coach, Mike Brown, mm-hmm. uh, talking about it. And, um, you know, you may wonder, well, why is the Sacramento Kings coach talking about a shooting in Maine? But but I think like every caring person in this country, um, you know, it, it really doesn't matter your proximity to these events. You know, there's a certain amount of just real, I think, concern we all have not just for the communities that are affected and the people that are affected and the lives that were taken, but we, we continue to be reminded consequently of the realization that this could, this could be us. It could be Mm -hmm. us one day. It could be you or me or someone we love or someone we know care about, Mm -hmm. you know, facing the same situation of, of having a life snatched from us by somebody who's mentally ill or who's a bigot or, you know, and when I say bigot, I mean whether that's a racial bigot, a religious bigot, a, uh, you know, bigoted towards uh, people in the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. you know, LGBTQ community, whatever the case may be, you know, that prompts these shootings, uh, you know, it, it can easily be one of us lamenting and, and, and mourning and crying for our loved ones. Uh, yeah, it's just you wonder. Just it just seems so nonsensical that we can send people, you know, we can send people into outer space. We can, you know, we can create electric cars. We can do all kinds of really innovative technological things, 
but we can't stop mass shootings. Yep. Yeah. Well, we can. We just don't. We don't have. We don't have the wheels. Well, to do that's what I people mean. love their guns. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, you know, it's been turned into this hot button political issue, and um, you know, anytime you talk about doing just basic common sense things, red flag laws that would have stopped this guy from owning a weapon, um, you know, and uh, you know, tracking weapons, tracking ammunition purchases, things of that nature. So, you know, somebody would be aware if someone's stockpiling weapons and ammo, um, you know, uncharacteristically. I mean, they're, they're, they're certainly, I don't think anybody should make it illegal. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if somebody goes in and all of a sudden starts buying up thousands of rounds of ammo, I think somebody ought to know about that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't have any problem, you know, and if you're buying thousands of rounds of ammo because you're a weapons instructor or whatever, you know, okay, okay, you know, you have a valid reason, you have a valid excuse for doing this, then fine, you know, or hell, just, just saying you want to buy them is fine, but at least somebody would know and be able right. to judge your, you know, what, what you're doing. But, um, what, but, but, but what about in this case? Okay, you said this guy had mental, uh, reportedly mm-hmm. had mental health issues of some sort. You know, which then begs the question, why are we not implementing something that would require, you know, whether it's every year or every couple of years, whatever the case may be, you know, some sort of evaluation of a person, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. you know, like in the state of Alabama, um, you know, I have to at least. And and this is probably not even enough scrutiny, honestly, but at least I have to in Madison County, I have to go down and, and, and go before, um, you know, to, to get a license, you know, to drive mm-hmm. a car. I got to go down there every four years or so, and they at least have to put eyeballs on me. Yeah. You know, now, I mean, they don't they don't do any kind of evaluation. I get that. And maybe they should. Maybe they should be evaluating me, especially yeah. as I get older. Yeah. But um but uh, but but there but with guns, man, there's no question. There ought to be some kind of regular evaluation of people to make sure that their mental acuity is still where it needs to be. You know, to the best of of, of our ability, some kind mm-hmm. of psychological evaluation. Well, I mean, yeah, there ought to be. I mean, the, the, you look at you know common sense things. First of all, we ought to implement red flag laws. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we, one, one part of that is that we ought to have a, a list of folks who uh, voluntarily ban themselves from purchasing firearms, because I guarantee you that a large percentage of folks who struggle with mental illness know that they are struggling with mental illness and know that they have, uh, you know, thoughts of, of harm or, uh, of doing harm to others and things. And they don't want that, uh, you know, in, in times in which they are, you know, medicated or which they are uh, lucid enough to, to understand what was going on the day before, you know, they think about and, and it scares them. If you have conversations with them and they would go and put themselves on this list, uh, you know, I yeah, know that from personal experience. And uh, and so, you know, I think that um, that you, you would save thousands of lives simply by creating a list such as that where people mm-hmm. voluntarily put themselves on there. Um, and then also, you know, you have other lists in which people have been uh, committed. People have, you know, have meet certain, re- you know, requirements uh, on there that you, they have to demonstrate exactly what you said, that they are, they are capable of owning a firearm and that they are no threat to the, to the public at large. And, um, you know, but past that, I mean, 
you know, yeah. Uh, people talk all the time, well, what about these cars that kill all these people? Well, listen, I would be perfectly happy with a system that uh, before you have uh, can obtain a license to purchase and, and use a gun, that you have to go before somebody and take a written test and that you then have to demonstrate that you have practiced well enough, that you are familiar with that weapon, uh, that you can pass a, a, a physical test uh, in which you perform in front of a trained instructor uh, the, the duties of, of owning a firearm, how to store it safely, how to use it, how, how the safety works, how the, you know, how to fire correctly, what, you know, what, how you should, how you should store it, how, how the ammunition works, what, you know, all of this there, I mean, we have hunter safety courses that are required before you can get a hunting license yeah. and, and hunters are some of the most trained and respectful gun owners that we have. And we put them through a course. And I don't think that there is, I don't think that that's an accident, all right, that we're putting these folks through these courses to teach them how to be safe with those firearms and that those folks are routinely some of the, the, the folks who are the most careful with their firearms. Right. Um, right. Yeah, and because I think it instills in people this notion when you do this that this is, a, first of all, a dangerous weapon, and secondly, that this is a tool. Uh, for you to use that we're you're you're taking this tool to use for a particular job right. that you have it's not it, it doesn't make you a badass it doesn't make you some superhuman being it's not going to save you and your family from all sorts of bad guys out there you're not going to run and stop mass shootings uh, that's not going to happen for the most part as a matter of fact you're far more likely to injure yourself or someone in your family with this gun than you ever are stopping a crime from occurring mm -hmm. but Still, you're right, and if it makes you feel safer to have it, then we certainly have the right to have it. It's also my right for free speech to have free speech, right. but I can't. I can't right now uh, tell you that ex politician uh, is out here having affairs or you know banging farm animals uh, right. because that would be slanderous. Right. And, you know, I can't also as a, have freedom of the press, but I can't write it either because that would be libelous. And those those restrictions upon that are what are, are for the public good and for public safety. Um, you know, I can't yell fire in a crowded theater, for example, right. um, and, and start a riot. Uh, those things are cause yeah. public harm. You know, That's and right. so we put we put those restrictions on these things, even though they are rights. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. you could argue those are bigger rights since they came first than the Second Amendment. Um, sure. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I, listen, I get the cannot be infringed upon uh, sort of thing. But, you know, we also got the well regulated part in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, there just doesn't seem to be the will to do it. Congress doesn't have the will. State legislatures don't seem to have the will, uh, in many places at least. And um, I don't know what it's going to take. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's, you know, I've often thought that maybe it was going to take, you know, some kind of a mass shooting that uh, involved the children of legislators in order to get this thing to move forward. Um, and, and, and I don't wish that on anybody. I don't no. wish it on a soul, but you know, you just wonder what will shake things up. What will cause people to realize we've got to do something before, uh, you know, it, it, 
you know, before one of us is next or yeah. one of our children is next? I, you know, I honestly don't know the answer, man. I, you know, I, I, when, whenever we can set aside and set to the side and watch, you know, kindergartners and first graders get killed, um, and not do anything, yeah. you know, I mean, we really, we didn't do anything. And, and what little bit that, that, uh, president Obama attempted to do was, you know, was screamed down by these insane people. Um, you know, and it just, it it's so kind of disheartening, you know, yeah. it's, it's so disheartening to watch and, and to see what's happening and to see, see these absolute clowns take these pictures for Christmas cards with, you know, their assault rifles and, and guns, you know, and putting, putting guns in kids' hands, you know, for the, for the photos. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's really, it's really twisted, you know? I mean, it's, you've got to have, there's got to be something wrong with your brain uh, that you, that you think that that's, I don't know if you think it's funny uh, if you think it's being rebellious and cool to some extent, I, I don't, I don't know what the mindset is that lead would lead you to do that. I mean, it's like, honestly, guys, like taking pictures with shovels, you know, I mean, like, why would you send out a Christmas card with, you know, with shovels, you know, and it's just, I, I don't, I, it's just so weird, but it all contributes to this culture that we have um, in, in which you know the the gun has been romanticized to the point where it's now this magical mystical item that you can uh, obtain and it gives you great power uh you know and, and you're you're ma- you're more macho now because you have these weapons and if you don't have one oh what's what's wrong with you are you yeah. is there some are you are, oh i'm sorry are you a little lady you know and it's just like what <laughs> well, you know i mean it just is I don't know. You see these people walking around the grocery store, you know, with a, with a firearm on their, on their hip. Did, did I ever tell you the story about us going to, um, fi- we went to the, uh, a sandwich place. I won't say their name. We went to, we went to okay. a, a sandwich place in Athens. Um, and as we were, uh, as we were in line there, there was a guy in front of us, uh, who had his firearm strapped to his side. Hmm. Uh, and so as me and my wife and my little girls, five, and, um, and we, so we ordered and, uh, they ordered in front of us and, and they were getting theirs to go, I guess, because the guy was just, as we went to sit down, the guy was just kind of s- standing around the tables waiting on his sandwich order to be finished. Hmm. And so Andy, my daughter and I, uh, we sat down at the table and, uh, um, she, she looked over at the guy and she saw the gun fastened to his hip and she said, Oh, daddy, what, what kind of phone does he have? Oh. And I said, I said, no, baby, that's not a phone. That's, I said, that's a, that's a gun. He's got a gun. And she said, oh, a gun. And I said, yeah. She said, why does he have a gun? And I said, well, I can't really explain that. She said, is he, is he a bad guy? And I said, well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he just, he's just got the gun. She said, is he chasing bad guys? And I said, mm-hmm. I know, I don't, I don't really think he's doing that either. I think he just likes to have it. And she said, she looked at him for another few seconds, and then she said, hmm, strange. And then went, went on about her day. And yeah. it just, you know, and yeah, it is. It's it, it's strange, man. It's weird to be, to be roaming around wearing a gun. I mean, it just is in 2023. But, you know, people have this in their head now, and I don't understand it. Well, as the good book says, a little child will lead them. And uh, 
she asked all the right questions. She asked <laughs> yeah, the questions right. that we should be asking yeah. um, ourselves as a nation, you know, in terms of why we allow this to happen. You know, and, and I know some people will say, well, you know, the guy walking around Walmart or McDonald's or whatever with a gun strapped to his hip is not the problem. Well, we don't actually know that. We yeah. don't actually know if that guy's the problem or not until he or, God forbid, she becomes the problem. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I, I guess my question would be, why do we need to have a society where people feel free to do that? And what are the consequences going to be if that person, for whatever reason, makes a judgment that's inaccurate or erroneous about somebody else and decides that they need to start shooting. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I'm concerned about. You know, you, you think you see something, you think you, you know, uh, you think you know what's going on. And so you decide to insert yourself in your weapon and you actually don't know what's going on or, yeah. or you make a miscalculation, you know, um, it, it just, you know, it just seems like we're we're too, you know, and I think some of it is we have fetishized gun use in this country for for decades. I mean, you know, it was much more mild when I was growing up. But, you know, we did have these, you know, so-called heroes like the Long Ranger and others, you know, who use guns to solve problems, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, perhaps the one notable exception in terms of law enforcement depictions that was very subtly and savvy and very in a very savvy way, you know, uh, promoting responsible gun ownership was the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sheriff think of, about that. The sheriff without a gun, man. The That's, sheriff uh, who didn't carry a gun, though yeah. he had access to guns. Yes, he did. He and, had uh, rifles. And explained why. Uh, yeah. that he didn't carry one because when when he carries a gun, people tended to respect the gun and not the man. Yeah, and yeah. and that's true today for everybody also, that's carrying one. And also had as his sidekick the <laughs> yeah the, the deputy who he only allotted one bullet. Oh, one bullet, Barney. <laughs> one bullet, Barney. Yeah, kept who kept uh, you know kept the bullet in his pocket and uh, you know, yeah. because he kept misfiring the weapon. Yeah, yeah. no, it's uh. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and I'll tell you this too, you know, um, there's a lot of people out there uh, who, who carry those guns and who fight for this and all that. And I can't help but notice that a lot of them were the first ones to stand up for the police when a black man exited his house carrying a firearm and was shot down almost immediately. Mm. Mm. Uh, and Perkins. so... I'd like for y'all to reconcile those two things for me. Yeah, I don't think you can, but uh, I couldn't help but notice the the, the difference in the way uh, some folks are treated and others are treated. Uh, yep. So, yep. Uh, which is also true of uh, the gentleman in Minnesota who was who had a license to carry a firearm and told the police officer that he was carrying one and Philando uh, Castillo. Yeah and uh, was shot in front of his wife and, and daughter in the car for no reason whatsoever. Uh, yep. Even after telling the officer, I've got this weapon here. I've got a license to carry it. I'm going to show you this. And, and within a couple of seconds, he was dead. Uh, Which goes to show, in both cases, black men 
Mm-hmm. You know, in my mind, it goes to show that, uh, you know, in the minds of at least some police officers, uh, it doesn't matter what the law says. Yeah, if it you does fit not. a certain profile, then as far as they're concerned, you know, you're as good as dead. Yep. And if if the NRA were a uh, a true gun advocate organization and not a mouthpiece for uh, gun manufacturers. Yeah. In both of these instances, the NRA would be up here screaming about how these gun owners had been mistreated, uh, that the police should be held accountable, um, that that all these things are, are wrong because these are lawful gun owners uh, that had had their weapons and were using them properly, and that we should take a stand for this. But instead, they didn't do that because they need they need this black people as the boogeyman yep. out there. Yep. to sell more firearms. And so that's the reason why they never took a stand. And yep. that's the reason why they'll never take a stand against it. And that's so, right. uh, but you know, here we are, here we are. It's a, it's mm. a, it's a weird little, uh, niche that a lot of people have kind of carved out for themselves, uh, in the area of, uh, firearms, uh, rights and laws and, and what they'll stand up for and what they want. And yeah, listen, it's killing people every single day. It's killing people more than car accidents, more than illnesses, more than anything else. It's killing people every single day, including children. It's the number one killer of kids right now. The number mm. one. And we're not doing shit about it. Mm. All right. Let's slide out uh, on yeah. that happy note. Uh, mm. So, so yeah, you're right, David. I did depress you. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it only goes up from here, though, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get Lyman in here. We'll we'll have some fun. So, all right, we'll be back in just a minute. Uh, Alabama politics this week. Hey, uh, if y'all would do us a favor. And uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. Well, you never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms uh, as well. I forget that David's an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Just don't, 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 don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. And we are happy now to have with us uh, the professor, Brian Lyman, uh, the uh, Alabama <laughs> Reflector, uh, fresh off uh, filling the uh, minds of young and hopeful students at Auburn University with uh, a little bit of uh, news knowledge. Uh, uh, th- listen, thanks for, for squeezing us in. To, I know it's got to be a busy day with running the Reflector and, and also you know, talking to classes and everything else, right? Yeah, it's just it's a pleasure to hook up with an advertiser alumnus like yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we do what we can, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had Joan because we wanted to talk about you. You wrote, uh, you actually written some some really good columns uh, all along. But I saw the last one uh, that you that you have written about uh, Alabama's uh, Republican uh, congressional delegation um, voting for 
uh, saying that they were going to vote for Jim Jordan, uh, and and then and then voting for Mike Johnson, um, and both of both of whom were uh, involved pretty heavily in the insurrection attempt. Um, you know, I, I guess. What do you think it means? You know, I, I come back to this. I, I come back to this story years ago. I was doing a. I was doing some piece for the advertiser about the impact of Alabama's congressional delegation in Washington. And I got a, I got a congressional expert on the phone, someone who had studied the, the Congress for years. And what he told me was, he told me that, you know, Alabama, Al, members of Alabama, like the congressional delegation, they have a reputation for being backbenchers who just go along with the flow. Now, obviously you're going to have some exceptions to that rule. You've got, you know, Howell Heflin obviously was influential. Richard Shelby obviously got everything in Tuscaloosa named after him. Um, and then you've got Doug Jones. You've even got like, you know, Terry Sewell and Katie Britt is starting to like make her things. But, you know, for the most part, the, the delegation had this reputation just basically like doing whatever the majority, whatever the majority wants. And that was the sense I've gotten from them in this whole speaker battle. Like, you know, now I don't know what's in their hearts. I don't know, I like why they're voting the way they're voting. But what I can mm -hmm. see is wherever they think the majority is, that's where they're going. If it's everybody wants to vote for McCarthy, they're voting for McCarthy. If everybody's voting for Jim Jordan, they're voting for Jim Jordan too. You know, Mike Rogers made some noises about how he wouldn't do that, and then <laughs> it took all of seven, seventy-two hours for him to just switch his mind. There's just there from an outsider's perspective. I mean, there's just a go along, get along kind of attitude with this. And I think I said in the column that whatever they're maybe they're scared of the base. Maybe they really believe that these are the best leaders that the Republican caucus can put forth. But the end result is that you simply have. You, you, you've you put you put an election, especially with Michael Johnson, you put somebody who tried to undermine the 2020 presidential election second in line for the presidency. And I don't see anything that our delegation has said that they ever thought that Mike Johnson was the best choice, that they ever really like believed that, you know, his interests aligned with Alabama's interests. It just feels like they're they're just going with what the herd wants. And I'm not sure that serves our state in the best manner. You know, uh, let me get your thoughts about this because I, I thought yeah. about it after I read your column and, and what, what I thought was that it, it again kind of falls back to the voters of this state um, and what they want and, and that they want, first of all, they're not terribly engaged as we know. Um, but we have seen time and again them punish people who step out of line. Uh, Martha Roby comes to mind uh, when all she did was say, I'm not going to vote for the guy who admitted to sexual assault on the video. You know, I'm not, that's not going to be my guy. And it, she was an outcast. She was dead from that day forward. Um, so how much of it do you think is just strictly self-preservation that they, they, they look at it and say, if I stay in line and I don't make any noise, I can keep this damn job forever. I can, you know, I can make money hand over fist from whatever little deals I'm making. Nobody's going to pay any attention to me. I'm golden. 
I'm personally shocked you would suggest a politician had self-preservation in mind. That's just so, just God. Yeah, no, so so, is, it, is this is this is this nihilism? Wait, what's going on? Um, yeah, I, look, I I think there's something to. I, I mean, I, I think there's something to that. I think the fact that our conversation is so focused on national stuff these days. Like, I mean, like just. Uh, I was telling, I mean, I was trying to justify, like, talking to this, I was talking to this Auburn class this morning about the importance of covering state government. And I, I mean, you know, there are so many things happening in Montgomery that are more impactful on people's lives here than, yeah. you, you know, the national government. But the, the conversation is always about, you know, the particular whims and vendettas of whoever like the national political celebrity of the moment is there. So, I mean, I think, you know, you do have voters who are more focused on national stuff, but then, I mean, we also have, I mean, look, we just came out of like a major federal court case where, you know, a court found that our voting is heavily racially polarized, like more so than, you know, most other places. I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, Martha Roby's, you know, Martha Roby's, uh, uh, situation where you know she was punished for having a backbone on her convictions you know she represented the wiregrass which you know the federal court found was one of the most racially polarized voting areas in the country yeah. uh, um it, a lot of the i mean you know i i think i think there is certainly the base voters are there and they're going to punish people but then you know, we also have a system where our politicians are choosing their voters, you know, through gerrymandering and through, draw, through drawing districts where they get these ostensibly safe districts for their parties. But in drawing safe districts for your parties, you amplify, you know, the most extreme elements of, of that party and their their concerns and their particular whims come to the fore. Hmm. Brian. um This um, the situation that we're facing in our state right now is perplexing for a lot of us, and I'd really like to get a sense from you as to uh, where you see things going. Um, prognosticate a little bit for us, uh, and and give us a sense specifically of what the impact is going to be on uh, these uh, these crucial election years or campaign cycles that we've got coming up in 2024 and 2026. Okay, I see a clean sweep for the Green Party in Alabama <laughs> in the next... Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's always dangerous to make... It's always dangerous to make predictions. I, I mean, like, like when you're talking about... But I'll say this. When you're talking about like the global stuff, I, I mean, I don't think anything's going to change. I mean, if... If Trump is the nominee, I mean, he got 62% of Alabama's vote in 2016. He got 62. He got 62% of Alabama's vote in 2020. If he if he's the nominee, he will probably get that or more in 2024. So I mean, I think the dynamics don't change very much, at least at that level. Now, the second district is going to be very interesting, obviously, uh, because it's. Um, it's not a, you know, we talked about racial pol racially polarized voting before, and the second district is obviously not a majority black district, but it's very close to a majority black district. Yeah. And we will probably see, I mean, I, I again, let's got, got, got to avoid the shells and got to avoid the, the certainties, but it's very likely that 
that district will send a Democrat and very likely the district will send a black Democrat to Congress. Um, of course, that all depends on who that person is. I mean, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of people expressing interest in the race at this point. Um, I guess, I mean, you know, Stephen Reed, Montgomery, the Montgomery mayor is obviously the major talk in that, but there's other folks who would be interested in getting in that race if Reed decides he doesn't want to do it. Um, there's going to be, there could be a Republican in the race, uh, former state senator Dick Brubaker has expressed an interest in that. So that'll be, that'll certainly be interesting as well. Um, and then, you know, but let's also, let's not avoid the, um, the first congressional district too, because, you know, there we could have a battle between Jerry Carl of Mobile and Barry Moore of Enterprise. And you'll have, you, you know, David, I mean, it's interesting, like that, that district was redrawn, um, that district was redrawn to take, you know, Mobile and Baldwin County on the coast and the wire and like the Southern Wiregrass to put like, and put them in the same congressional district. Mobile and the Wiregrass have never, ever been in the same congressional district in all of Alabama's history. Baldwin was like 30 years ago, but it hasn't been there since. To me, the dynamics of that race are going to be fascinating. Um, you know, like obviously you've got two very conservative Republicans in Jerry Carl and in Barry Moore. But then you've also got like Mobile. You've got Mobile and the Wiregrass. Uh, Moore has been uh, like, like certainly, you know, Moore came from like Moore got some some help to uh, win his race back in 2020. Um, Carl is clearly preparing for a, like yeah, Carl is clearly preparing for a fight, lining up uh, congressional endorsements behind him. It's it, like second congressional district. I think is going to be fascinating, but I wouldn't sleep on the first one either because I think that 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 if if Moore decides he wants that seat, uh, that's going to be a fascinating dynamic down there. Hmm. Let me ask you one other question, and and this one is. Um... Uh, I will confess, has a little bit of a selfish element to it. I'm I'm on the um, the Madison County Democratic Executive Committee, and I know in Madison County we talk a lot about uh, how the data seems to suggest that this county is incrementally becoming purple. Mm-hmm. Um, we we see this as a reason for optimism. But we're not there yet. And I guess I wonder, and I, I don't know how much you keep up with Madison County, but I guess I wonder, do you have a sense at all of, as to whether or not our read of the data is sound in terms of that up here? And if, if it is, is it possible, as I like to tell people, and I know that I could be wrong, but I like to tell people that politics is cyclical. And so just as you have a cycle right now where the Republicans are dominating in Alabama, there once upon a time was a cycle where the Democrats were dominant. Is it possible that Madison County portends something for the rest of the state given enough time? So let, let, let's look at the whole state first, okay? Um the the state itself that's not going to be fertile ground for democrats for some time I, I now can things change absolutely can can dynamics change absolutely but let's look at the demographics of 
of what's of what's happening in Alabama. So the median age of a person in the United States, that like so like half 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 the country is younger than this, half the people, half the country is older than this. Um, the median age in the United States is thirty eight point nine years. Okay, in Alabama, the median age is uh, thirty nine point four years. Okay, so we're older than the nation as a whole. And then when we get to the white population, which is 64% of the country, you're talking, it's closer to 42, like 42 is like the median age, maybe closer to 43, okay? So we have an older population to begin with, not, not necessarily the most conducive to the Democratic Party to begin with. Then you look at educational attainment. Um, Alabama has fewer four-year graduates than what? the country as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now what's no interesting way. is now what's interesting is is we actually have I think we have more college participants generally. Like I think like we're actually slightly higher than the nation as a whole. Like in, in that result. Okay. So um if you just look strictly at demographics, it doesn't look good for the Democratic Party moving forward for the next few years. Like those demographics are like they're they're not conducive. Now now Madison County, that's another story. Um more educated than the state as a whole. Um, the percentages, uh, like Democratic percentages were inching up in 2014 and 2018. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, I you know, feel free to correct me if, if you get this, but I think Walt Maddox got maybe 48 percent of the vote in Madison County in 20 in 2018. Um, obviously, you've got a huge influx of people coming in. For those federal jobs, I mean, a number of them from Northern Virginia, like not a, Northern Virginia, not exactly a conservative bastion for folks. Uh, so the trend lines are promising for the Democrats, but at least at least in Madison County. So so yes, there is definitely promise in Madison County, but it it all comes down to candidate quality. You know, like if you look at Texas, like Texas is. Texas has become less Republican um, over the last few years, but Republicans still have a stranglehold on government in Texas because the party just simply hasn't put put out, you know, compelling candidates there to this point, or at least candidates compelling enough to break that stranglehold on folks. In Madison County, I think there's been some very interesting candidates come forward. Like I, I think in the last cycle, some of the legislative, uh, some of the Democratic nominees for legislature were very um, compelling. Um, unfortunately, the top of the Democratic ticket just was not, I mean, like it, there was just no funding there. There was just really no outreach there. The result ended up being that not only did the Democratic ticket go down in flames last year, but even in like reliably safe Democratic districts, uh, the margins of Democrats fell significantly because People just didn't like you need those statewide campaigns to get people out to vote. So. Um, so, yes, I mean, like if I was a Democrat and I wanted to rebuild the party, I, I mean, like I would set my toolbox down in Madison County. I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that, but it's really just about, you know, ensuring not only that you get compelling candidates, you know, in Madison County, but that you also you know, ensure that the top of the ticket has something to offer voters there as well. Thanks, Brian.
Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, you know, I, I thought that there was a, the the only pathway back for Democrats was to start with the major cities, uh, you know, and 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 basically lock those things up, city council and county commission wise, and you know, control some money, you know, from yeah. people that are, uh, you know, and if you do that and you control some of the projects, <clears throat> and you get you get a whole lot of people to vote Democrat all of a sudden if you're the guys that are, that mm-hmm. are controlling where those jobs are going to. But yeah, yeah the, the last thing we'll get you out of here, um, the uh, the. Because I know, I mean, I know you got you've probably got five or six calls from people since we've been talking. So we look, we got <clears throat> you got you're a busy man. We got to get you out of here. Um, the um, the the district two race. Um, are you are you surprised? Because I I was I was very surprised that Stephen Reed was hesitant to enter that race. Um, I can't say like I can't say what his motives are. I mean, I'll put it this way. Um, if I was Stephen Reed, I, I would let, let me let me say this. These are the choices Stephen Reed has now. Is Congress like a extremely prominent position that will want that could launch you to even bigger things down the road? Absolutely. Um, are you one of four hundred thirty-five people in Congress? Yes, you are. Uh, do you have to do a lot of things to move up the poll in Congress, including spend like hours and hours on fundraising? Yes, you got to do that. Um, as mayor of Montgomery, like he is undisputably the guy in charge. I mean, now, obviously, like he's, he's still got to deal with the city council there, obviously. But, you know, he's clearly the leader. He's clearly the man you go to when you ask about, you know, local issues. Um, so I, I don't know, like, what is making Stephen Reed pause. I have not sat him down and spoken with him. Um, but I would tell you that, like, if I'm just looking at it now, I mean, it's it's really like... You know, I, I could understand why the mayor of a city would look at being in a chamber of hundreds of people and see the obstacles you have to climb to, like, really start to make an impact and pause about it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I get it. I just, I uh, mean, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was just talking. Oh, he's, uh, he's not even going to be mayor after this for, you know, he's, <laughs> he's going to go jump right into Congress. And, and then mm-hmm. he was like, whoa, you know, maybe not. So, yeah. Hey, but let, thank you for coming on and uh, and breaking things down and uh, you yeah. know and, and doing what you do, man. Uh, you're you're the best, and we it's yeah. no wonder that uh, a fine institution like Auburn, not that other, <laughs> other school across the state, you know, <laughs> they wouldn't have you over there because they don't know yeah. they don't know class they don't know class yeah. like that. So, uh, but thank you, man, for coming yeah. on. See, in all seriousness, yeah, real pl- real pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Right, thank awesome. you. That is Brian Lyman with the Alabama Reflector. Y'all go to the Reflector site, check them out. They do a good job, uh, and they they are led by Brian. It was just, you know, not surprising. I worked with the guy for a long time, and uh, he is he's as good as he sounds like. So, hey, let's uh, let's slide out of here. We'll come back. We'll wrap this baby up in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot. Alrighty, welcome back, Alabama politics this week. Josh Moon, David Person. Um, I, was, uh, I should I should mention 
again here, our, our good friends at uh, Wind Creek Entertainment uh, sponsoring the show. Really appreciate their sponsorship and making all this Absolutely. thing uh, kind of possible and uh, making the making the, the world turn around and uh, and getting some good information out to the folks. I think that they are, uh, you know, that's one of the things that uh, they wanted to do is, is to make sure that, uh, you know, we just got a good source of accurate information. And let me, you know, we've had, we've had other folks who have uh, quietly supported us over the, uh, over the years that we've been doing this um, and, and made it, made it possible. Nobody has ever, ever attempted to dictate any sort of editorial content or anything right. of that nature. Uh, all the only thing they've ever wanted, the only thing they've ever said is, is, Hey man, just get a, a different voice out there. You know, be, have a have a smart show, have a factual show, have have something that where people that don't, uh, whose voices aren't heard, who are in government and uh, the legislature, uh, have a, have a platform in which they can explain their side of things. That's all anybody has ever asked for. Yeah, um, and 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 I'm and nothing. They've never asked for anything else. As a matter of fact, we never get never hear from them. We never hear from them. And so that's, those are the kind of folks that you like. And, and I wish I could tell you, you know, who all those folks were. And, um, but you know, they've asked to, to remain that way. And as I think that's fair. And as long as they're not dictating anything, I mean, honestly, you've heard us talk. Do you think anybody's steering us in these directions? <laughs> so, uh, you think anybody has, uh, has encouraged me to say some of the dumb inflammatory shit that I say on here? I don't think so. So, uh yeah um all right let's uh speaking of inflammatory so i wrote a story this week uh in which i had been working on for a little while and it was about a, an elmore county mother uh name is justina burbage um justina's late husband uh he passed away in 2022 january of 2022 uh from congestive heart failure a few uh, weeks later um, her mother passed away. Hmm. Actually, a cut two weeks later, like fifteen days later, um, and and so, and both of them fairly unexpectedly, uh, you know. And so, she had uh, she has a four year old little girl and uh, and two other kids from a previous marriage that lived with her and and uh, her husband, and um, so they she was going through a rough time, and. Um, at, during this time, uh, she kind of connected with um, her late husband's father, uh, Gene Burbage, what's his name? Uh, Gene Burbage Sr., I think would be uh, the proper way to, to put that, Gene Burbage Sr. Um, and um, he, you know, he and his wife at the time came in and, uh, you know, they wanted to have a relationship with a little girl. And she, you know, at that time thought that that would be good. It would be good to have this connection uh, for the little girl with, you know, so she would know him, maybe understand her father a little more, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just and also just for the, you know, for the grandfather, help him. You know, she's what she said. She wanted to, you know, wanted to help him kind of get over what was going on. You know, he lost a child and uh, yeah, he was a grown child, but still his child, you know. And um, and so, you know, that she allowed, you know, as it as it grew kind of, you know, it, they became helpful. Honestly, she said, you know, they were you know, it was helpful to have a little bit of a break from the kids from time to time to let the grandparents watch them, uh, you know, while she did certain things. You know, there's a couple of times she went on trips and things like that. Well, then, uh, you know, then there were a couple of things that happened that she didn't really 
she didn't really like. It was one instance where, she, allegedly, she said that uh, she got a picture on her phone and where the grandfather had drawn uh, some sort of little drawings on the child's butts, butt cheeks. I'm uh, sorry. That, oh, wait, 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 yeah. wait. What? what? Yeah, uh, yeah, she, he, she apparently, the story was, uh, she had asked for tattoos on her butt and he had drawn on her, he had drawn them on her butt and then sent the pictures to her mother. She's like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I don't care for that. Uh, I don't, you know, we don't, we, we're not, I don't like that at all. Uh, and she said she laughed it off, but she, you know, made no, a note in her head. No, no, she no, made no, a note no, in her head no. that we're not, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to pay a little more attention here. We're not going to have that, that go on. Um, Did and she, so then, do you know, she talked to the child about it? Did she ascertain that that was even true? Oh, I mean, he, he sent pictures of her. No, 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 no. Her. I'm saying that the child asked for that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even I if the child I did, I mean, that's immaterial in terms of what yeah. should happen because right. he never should have done that, even if the child no, no. had asked for it. But No, he never should But have. it doesn't make sense to me. This child was how old again? Four. Man, I don't believe that that child asked for that. Yeah, I don't know. And so, so then, uh, but it gets a little worse. Uh, so, um... Then uh, uh, sometimes, you know, she, she kind of slowed things down for a while. Um, and then there, was, there were phone calls and video calls and, you know, some, some visits here or there with everybody around and stuff. And then in, uh, so that was in, in 2022 and stuff. So then as we entered into, into 2023, um, they went to, um, she let the kids go to South Carolina to visit with them. Um, and when they returned, the kid, or the, the four-year-old, was acting very strange. Uh, she, you know, she started wetting the bed. She started doing some things, throwing temper tantrums. So, uh, you know, she was having, she oh, just Jesus. was not herself, she noticed. And yeah. um, so um, she said, you know, she was, she thought that had to, something had to have happened. She kept asking her and she couldn't really get anything out of her. You know, it's a four-year-old, of course. Um, and so then out of the blue, uh, the, the grandfather sends a tablet and a Wi-Fi hotspot to the kid. Didn't, didn't talk to the mother or anything. Uh, just sent this gift to her. And she was like, you know, at that point, it's like, I just, just had enough. So I just didn't have a good feeling about it. So I just packaged it up and sent it back to him. And, hmm. uh, then about a few weeks later, they got, she gets a call. It's a call from Elmore County DHR stating that there has been a report filed that her daughter has possibly been sexually abused. Um, and hmm. she comes to find out that the allegation is against the grandfather. And made the allegation, by who? Uh, I, she doesn't know. She doesn't know who made the allegation. She said she she did not make the allegation, and she had cut off the contact with him prior to this. And so she, when the investigator shows up to talk to her about it, she says, "You know, listen, I, I I've cut off co uh, this contact with him over other things." And uh, and they said, "Well, that's the best thing. You know, it's the best thing you could do." Hmm. So, um, as they come to find out, there's an allegation in here. Uh, it's made by the older kids um, in, in an affidavit uh, that the grandfather, while they were in South Carolina, took showers with the little girl. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, and um, and so now he, I'll, I'll say this in an affidavit, also filed in the case, he denies fully that that ever happened. Uh, that the I, I, I'm I'm assuming that his story is that he took the little girl into the bathroom 
uh, to give her a bath, and the kids have misinterpreted that. Uh, that's his story. And DHR uh, conducted an investigation. Now, it was a fairly flawed investigation that uh, I don't really know exactly what, what went down here, but uh, they ultimately determined that they could not find evidence that she had been sexually abused. And so. Okay, they, wait. Can, can, let me just ask you a question. Uh-huh. All right. So nobody's disputing that this grandfather drew pictures on this child's bottom, right? Well, he disputes that in, in the oh, he di- oh, he disputes he, he that. Does. Yeah, he, he disputes that as well. I, well, I, I, I'm not sure if that's in his affidavit, but I know it's in something that was filed by his attorney saying that that was categorically false. So, but but the mother but there has... are photos. Okay. Yeah, there are photos. Okay. I've seen the photos, and so, I've seen the text conversation accompanying them. Okay, so somebody drew pictures on this child's bottom. While she was in the care of the grandparents. Yes. That makes the grandparents culpable. Okay. But it gets worse. So, um, after this, these things have been filed and the investigation has started, the grandfather files suit under Alabama's grandparents' rights laws uh, requesting visitation with the granddaughter and stating that the mother has a history of mental problems uh, that, and uh, it would be in the child's best interest to have the grandfather in her life. Mm-mm. So he's, he obtains an attorney in, in Prattville. His name is Dee Dee Calhoun. Dee Dee's running for a, uh, a judgeship in that County and she's going to probably win. Uh, she's on the Republican ticket and she's, she's got the support of the Republican party. Uh, there in that county in the 19th judicial circuit. So she'll fit in great because the 19th judicial circuit is basically the circus circuit. Um, And they start, they file this lawsuit against him. They get it in front of Bill Lewis, uh, who's the judge, uh, one of the judges in the 19th circuit. Now, I don't know. I've mentioned Bill Lewis on this podcast before. He is the gentleman who sentenced the Hispanic guy who was driving the car who fell asleep and accidentally across the line, causing a head-on collision and killing a nurse, he's the one who sentenced that Hispanic kid uh, to 99 years in prison um, because he fell asleep driving. And um, so uh, Lewis allows this to progress. Um, the mother has now spent more than $10,000 in attorney's fees and other costs uh, she's gone through multiple investigations of things. She's had to go through mediation uh, with a court, a court appointed mediation um, that Lewis required them to go through to try to in uh, hit. And, and also there's now a guardian ad litem uh, that's supposed to be in charge of the mm-hmm. child's best interest mm-hmm. who happens to be fairly close with Calhoun on here and who submitted a report in there stating that she had monitored a call that the court required visitation between the grandfather and the uh, alleged victim of his abuse uh, required three visitations just against the mother's wishes, as you might imagine. Um, and she monitored one of those, and it was so pleasant, and it, he would be such a positive influence in her life. Um, and is what the guardian ad litem that was appointed by the court had to say. And all of this, you know, 
Every single day, my wife and I make decisions on who should or should not be in our daughter's life. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a soul out there who ought to have the authority to tell us we're wrong. Right. Well, I agree. And that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, and I agree with that. Uh, there's way too much smoke for there not to be some fire in this situation. But I, but I still go back to the thing that is indisputable, which is somebody, some somebody, we don't know necessarily who it was, but somebody made drawings on this child's body and sent the, and took pictures of it and then sent it to the mother. So if that child is in the care of the grandparents when this happened, even if neither grandparent was involved, as far as I'm concerned, they're culpable. They're responsible. Yeah. They should yeah. they, they, they should have gotten to, they should have determined unequivocally, if they weren't involved, they should have determined unequivocally what happened and they should have dealt with it and they should have been completely accountable to the mother mm-hmm. for what happened. Yeah. Yeah, no. The fact that they were did not do that suggests to me that they didn't do it because they were well. One at least one of them was involved. Yeah, I don't. I don't doubt it at all. Um, you know, and I, it just is. Uh, you know, I just keep going back to the to the same thing. I mean, it, it's egregious that a judge would in any way um, force a kid to go through a visitation with. Yeah. Somebody that is accused uh, you know, currently because there's right now there is an ongoing investigation in South Carolina because that's where they the things took place uh, the the actions took place so there's an ongoing investigation taking place in in South Carolina uh, the detective who is uh, conducting it sent a letter to the mother to so that she could provide to the court uh, showing that, that this investigation is active and so. Uh, and and they've essentially told her that this whole thing was messed up from the start, and mm-hmm. there was a number of of little issues that that went on. Uh, but even without all of that, even without any of that, the the mother simply saying, "I don't want him in her life." Right. It doesn't matter if if she said, you know, he chews gum really loudly, uh, you know, and I just don't like that around my kid. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm, that's plenty. That's plenty. That's all Fair there enough. is. Parent yeah. has a right. You're right. That's You're right. exactly right. Parent the, has the a right. The Supreme Court has has determined this over and over and over again that the parents have a, a, an undeniable right to raise their kids like the, the way that they see fit, as long yeah. as there is no harm being done to the kid. And any this is again one of these things that we do in this state, our lawmakers do, uh, because they can't imagine a situation outside of their own lives. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what happened in 2016. Mike Jones, who's no longer in the legislature, thank God, um, mm-hmm. pushed this thing through, even though Alabama Supreme Court, Alabama's Supreme Court in 2010 ruled it unconstitutional, ruled a grandparent's right bill unconstitutional because it took parental rights away from the parents. And, and so... They went in. Oh well, we're going to more narrowly define this thing, and we're going to tailor it to you know. So it's got to be these. Anytime you set up a legal process and allow for a legal process to take place, you are going to force people to first of all spend thousands of dollars on attorneys 
out there to, to defend themselves. Right. And second of all, you're going to open yourself up to situations just like this, where political pressure and influence uh, on the local level, and that's all this is, is people are scared of this Calhoun lady uh, because they think she's going to get a judgeship and then they're going to have to go before her. And so nobody wants to rock this boat. Mm-hmm. And so that that's what's taking place here is they're giving deference to this lady and her client on this thing. And, here we have a lady now that spent more than 10 grand that she doesn't have. I mean, she, you know, she didn't have 10 grand laying around somewhere. She's had to borrow this from family members right. uh, to, to right. defend herself against this dumb shit that's taking place. And yeah. it's just, you know, and it's just, it's wrong on every single level that we've done this. And somebody needs to kick this the hell out of there and get this law off the books. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there are processes if a parent is deemed unfit that, that we have in this state, the outside of this grandparents' rights thing, all right? Uh, I mean, if we want to establish that grandparents have the, you know, the, the first rights after this other process has taken place and the kids have been removed from the parents, that you then look for the grandparents, you know, at, as possible caretakers, okay, all right, uh, you know, I can do that. But not this whole other thing that they can file a suit a lawsuit, you know, claiming that they have some right to dictate how these kids are raised because they do not. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and even if even if legally they did, I'd still say that's an immoral and uh, unethical. Uh, parents ought to have the right to, you know, as long as the child is, there's no evidence of a child being hurt or harmed or being placed in danger, parents ought to have the right to yeah. dictate what happens to their underage children. Sure. You know, and and in most cases, I think most people would say there's nothing unreasonable about that. No, 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 you're absolutely right. And I'll, and I'll, I should say, uh, in, in uh, terms of Justina's case here specifically, she has no criminal record to speak of. Uh, she, there have never been any allegations of abuse, neglect, or anything like that with her kids. Um, the the mental health issues that the that are apparently being referenced in this are related to when she sought out some form of therapy after her husband and mother had died within a two week span yeah. and she was dealing with grief yeah. and so we've again stigmatized that in a court mm-hmm. filing uh, mm-hmm. for you know and and there was never she didn't she didn't have any any sort of dire consequences or that she was hospitalized or anything else. She simply talked to somebody, a professional, about what was going on in her life to right. try to, to, to get better. And I mean, and it just is, it's, it's honestly pretty disgusting. Um, and, you know, and there's some other things that have taken place uh, in an effort. After I called uh, this Calhoun lady, um, she uh, uh, filed, I mean, within an hour, filed a motion with the court to have the case sealed and a gag order put in place. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and referenced me in the court filings. Um, oh, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, she did. And then in an effort to bolster her case for this, apparently, uh, she filed the child's complete unredacted medical records online. Uh, with a court, which if you have access to Alicourt, you can, you can get them. Um, Isn't that a violation of HIPAA? You'd think so, wouldn't you? Uh, And in addition to that, in addition to that, by mistake, there was also a second child's medical records included in there who was unrelated to this case whatsoever. And they're not really even sure how those records got in there. Uh, But it was, they were also filed as well in there. In addition to that, in addition to that, 
All right. The, as I said before, um, Justina's oldest son filed an affidavit in which he made the allegations against the grandfather. Okay. Hmm. In response to that, they, they filed another motion stating that this 14 year old kid had mental issues and this was learning brother. disabled. This is the uh, brother. No, uh, the grandfather. Well, yeah, no, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. The half brother of, of the four. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Had, has, has, has learning, learning issues. He's, he's mentally disabled in some way. He's not. He's not at all. He's in, he's in, uh, he's in the class he's supposed to be in and it, doing fine. And, uh, you know, and so, oh, again, this is mm. what is possible when you create laws like this, you know? Mm. And so now you've set up this entire system to do this. And it's just, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous that this poor lady is going through this with her kids. And, uh, you know, it just is... I don't know. Awesome. When, when when she first sent it to me, I thought there must be something else going on. And then I read through all the court filings and stuff, and I thought, my God, what the hell is happening here? Mm. And then I realized it was the 19th Circuit, and I thought, oh, well, there you go. It's its own mm. little world. You mm. got to have to have a passport to go to those places. Mm. Um, so, all right, let's uh, let's let's do the right wing nut and get ourselves out of here. All right, because we got a good one. We got the 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 nuttiest of all the right wing nuts, and that is our uh, our former president, the, which is still hard for me to say. Uh, Donald in, John Trump, the the former nut in chief. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Donald John Trump has uh, found himself uh, fined ten thousand dollars this week and apparently there are going to start to be consequences for his actions which he has as far as i know never faced in his entire life yeah it seems that he has um he has skated on a lot of things and not really been held accountable but now he's uh the same tactics that he's been using uh, uh certainly as a public uh well certainly as a politician um, and and even I guess prior to that as a public figure, he's now being penalized for, and that's good. You know, you got the ten thousand dollar fine that has just been issued because he was um, saying disparaging things about the um, the judge's. Uh, I think it was the judge's clerk. I think. Yeah. And then and then there was a five thousand dollar fine. I think last week over mm-hmm. something that he said that. The judge deemed to be in violation of the orders he had given him regarding his communications with the public and outside of court. So I'm glad to see it happen. And, yeah. you know, I think he needs to be held accountable. I think he needs to understand that it's a new day. And, and as this happens, I also think that what it does, there is a reciprocal benefit um, for the public and and for the Republican Party, and I think what I think that what happens is, the more wounded Trump appears to be, the more it empowers these Republicans to to grow a pair and stand up. Well, so at least so that's far, what that I'm hoping. So far, that has not been the case because they just elected another Trumpy uh, guy as Speaker. Uh, somehow, uh, somehow worse than the than the last guy is. Uh, the uh, somebody I saw put it. They said the Democrats found the perfect speaker for the Republican Party. Yeah, he has well, the, the the cowardice of McCarthy, uh, the abortion stance of Mike Pence, and uh, and and the Trump 
uh, cowardice that uh, that is necessary. But I would, but I would, but I would beg to differ a little bit here because even though yes, he did vote for the um, um, uh, or supported the uh, the uh, the overturning of the election, mm-hmm. uh, when questioned about it. Uh, he recently, he, he demurred. He did not, he did not respond. In fact, they blew off the questioner and tried to shout down the questioner, Mm -hmm. which is not what Jim Jordan would have done. Jim Jordan would have embraced that thing and been like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely did it. And I'll do it again. So I think that this guy is a little bit different uh, I don't think he's quite as zealous as Jordan, and I think that's a step in the right direction. That's my take. Know, I, I'm, I'm gonna say I'll, I'll say the same thing to you as I said to Whitmire. All right, uh, which is I don't. I, I to me, there is absolutely no difference between this uh, cowardly bigot uh, who supported the insurrection. At versus the other cowardly bigot who supported the insurrection, they're going to vote exactly the same. They're going to do exactly the same things. They're going to they're going to fall down before Trump, and they uh, there's there's not going to be there's not like there was this choice between a Mitt Romney like guy and Jim Jordan or Mike Johnson or Kevin McCarthy. Uh, there that that was not the choice. That was not what we were picking. We were not pushing it towards the middle. It was whether or not we were going to stay far right. Or extremely far right, uh, and that to me is—I mean, I, I don't think there's much of a of a difference. Uh, and, you know, and you in, may be right. That. You may be uh, right, and maybe I'm being overly optimistic. But um, but at least based on what I saw, I I see a little bit of daylight between them. And I guess, and I guess this is where the optimist in me kicks in, and I'm hoping that daylight is actually real. Well, listen. I hope so, and I hope Lucy doesn't move the football again. Uh, and uh, but I, you know, I just, I, you know, I don't know. I've got no faith. I've got no faith that they're ever going to do the right thing. I have no faith uh-huh. that they're never not going to do the easy thing. Um, and and uh, I mean, the easy thing is to not invoke the wrath of Trump. And I think that that's exactly the way they're going to operate until I guess he's in prison. Uh, I don't know. Even then, I think there'll still be uh, a bunch of them running around. You know, calling for pardons and trying to get him out, and yeah. uh, I just, I just think it's a, uh, it's an atrocious game that we're playing uh, with some atrocious people. So, all right, let's get on out of here. Uh, Till next week, y'all be safe out there. <laughs>